Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's up? It's Joe and for the first seven days of July, we are offering you the chance to invest in a lifetime VIP membership to Game Academy for half price. Game Academy is your walkthrough guide where we take you by the hand and show you everything you need to know about learning a game. A VIP membership gets you access to all of our day game audio footage in which we demonstrate how to flirt with a woman in the daytime, swap contact details and arrange a date. You'll also be able to access our archive of 15 crazy pool stories, our full guide to online dating, our archive of Zoom coaching calls, and perhaps best of all, you'll get access to our VIP Telegram group, where you get unlimited contact with Kieran and I, you can ask us questions, and also you can learn, grow, and be held accountable by other Game Academy members. It's half price until July 8th. Visit gameglobal.net forward slash academy to learn more. There's some preview videos on that page as well. Gameglobal.net forward slash Hello, welcome to another episode of the Game Global Podcast hosted by me, Kieran Callum. This is the show that is here to give you tips, tools, resources you can use to smash your dating and your sexual goals. So today is my third session with the charismatic Mr. Edmund. And, you know, let's just get to it, man. How have you been since the last time we spoke? It's almost two weeks now. Um, yeah. What's going on? What's been going well? What's been going badly? Um, I think what's been going well, I don't think, we'll start with the bad if there is any. I think in terms of bad, I would say just more lessons that I'm trying to learn is how to translate my masculinity into how I approach women, whether it's via text, via social media, via like just in person, like how do I translate that masculinity without coming off anything different than what I want to pray. I'm still figuring out what that is, but that's kind of the lesson. I think just in terms of good, um, I've really been sticking to the idea of the self-love tactic, um, not for the idea of game where you're doing it just to kind of just get better at it, but more so putting yourself first and your ideas and your certainty and what you believe and what you do to help your help boost your confidence and then allow that to translate to your day-to-day uh, life. So I think that's been going really well. Mm. All right, that's great to hear. So how can I help you right now? Um, I think I want to continue to take the principle of what we're talking about, the philosophy of it, and I want to have actionable steps in terms of building my masculinity every day. And then I guess in terms of results or what that should translate into, that just comes with time, but... In terms of actionable things that I can do to continue to build my masculinity, um, I would I would like to hear a lot more about that. Okay, that that sounds very sort of vague, though. I'm yeah. Like, can you give me a bit more info on what it is that you mean? So, in our first session, you told me that um, masculinity. You didn't say, I mean, you didn't necessarily say that that's what it, it, it equated to it, but you did say masculinity had a correlation to a level of aggression. Um, and that aggression could be, I guess it could be, how I understood it is it could be translated into just your level of certainty about yourself, about the things you believe, and about the way you you decide to allow people to your environment, your space, which you decide to tolerate, et cetera. So that's kind of how I took it. I translated all of that into that level of what you meant by aggression, having a correlation with your masculinity. And so now, how do I go from taking just those principles of it to actionable like daily steps that I could be, you know, continually using to build my confidence, right? All right, well, 
the first thing you'd want to do is look at the places in your life where you feel like you're not being masculine enough. I mean, look, it's really, it's as simple as this. The whole sort of your masculinity thing, it just means like doing what you want to do and being who you want to be. That's pretty much all we're talking about at the core. What we're basically talking about is I say, hey, Edmund, can you lend me a thousand dollars? And you don't want to do it. So you say, no, I can't. That's basically it. At a nutshell, or I say, "Hey, do you want to go and see this film?" And rather than just agree because you don't want to be a, uh, you don't want to offend me, you say, "You know what? I would rather see Black Widow." It's as simple as that. Or a girl is being silly, and you check her on it as opposed to not doing it. So one thing you would want to do is you want to look at areas in your life where you feel like you're not do, you're not being the kind of person that you want to be. It's literally like, let's say you were. A basketball player and you're like okay i want to be the greatest player on earth you'd have to start looking at the game and you'd be like all right so what's my jumper like you know am i hitting freeze um how about layups how am i dunking how am i like crossing over so if you just like want to look at all of those areas and you want to improve all those areas so one thing i'd want you to do is look at the areas where you feel you're not being masculine enough right where does that actually affect you so for instance I don't know. Do you find yourself on the basketball court? This was me when I was at school. I was telling someone this the other day. I'd be playing basketball at school, but I had so little confidence in myself that there were certain things that I just wouldn't do. Like I kind of, yeah. I wouldn't be like upfront and personal. I'd be like hanging back. And I actually had a lot more skill than I showed. But mm. I'd hang back. I never used to take layups. Like I'm like 15 playing basketball at school. I never do layups because layups in my mind looked really cool and I wasn't cool enough to do a layup so I'd always just do a shot right and I would never be that one that was like just I don't know like say directing traffic and trash talking like deep down I wanted to do it I wanted to do it but I didn't have the confidence to but anyway my point is to just look in areas of your life where you feel like you are not being the way that you want to be and then you need to make notes of that and then make notes of how you want to be in those areas. And then when you catch yourself not doing it, start to resolve it. That is fundamentally the main thing that you want to do. Now, another thing that you can do is when you are start doing activities that are designed to channel your masculinity. Like one that people always talk about is like fighting, but it's true. You know, when you put anything that's going to get you to be more manly and get you to be more in touch with your inner aggression, start doing more of those things. That's one great thing that you can do. Another great thing that you can do is to, when you feel like angry, actually sit with it and like, this is something I do a lot. So I used to bottle up all of my emotions and I'd bottle them up and bottle them up and bottle them up. And they would just sit inside me and they would actually like fester. And it was such a horrible thing to do because I would feel them gnawing away inside. And I think it actually made me sick and stuff like that. A very great thing to do when you feel really angry is to actually work through it. So you get a pillow and you beat the hell out of that pillow like literally beat the pillow up like someone's killed your mom. You beat that pillow up. You do everything you got to do and then you get it all out. And maybe that sounds crazy, but you see, here's the thing. When you see like children, like babies do this instinctively. So when kids are playing, it's all good and it's all well. And then one of them gets hurt and he blames the other one. He shouts and screams and shouts and screams. And then we as adults were like, oh my God, look at this kid just acting like an idiot. But then once the kid has worked through his emotions, he's absolutely fine. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I'm back now. Because he, he got it out of his system. But adults don't actually do that. We just kind of let the, the stuff bubble and fester. That's a good thing to do as well. And then actually getting used to doing that will get you more used to just expressing your, you know, your displeasure, your distaste, your unwillingness to do things, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I'm saying? Perfect. Yes, I think I think that's what I was trying to get. To, like, what activities could I be doing daily or just weekly to really continue to channel my uh, masculinity? 
but so as you saying all that, I'm actually getting just more things that I've I've been wanting to uh, talk about. Uh, I think one of the in the first session, one of the things that still sits with me of the third session, and something I still think about is when you said there's a difference. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but you said there was a difference between, you know, a girl thinking that I'm funny and she thinks I'm a likable guy or people just think I'm a likable guy and then people actually being sexually attracted around, up, up, around me, aroused by me. Like, I think there's a difference between the two and you could correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and so one of the so things that still sits with me I'm sorry. I'm saying that's exactly what I said. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So how do so how do I how do I tap into that? How do I tap into the the, the, uh, the sexual part of myself, man? Well, how do you tap into the sexual part of yourself? Well, let me give you an example. You know, when you're fantasizing on your own. Do you have any trouble tapping into the sexual part of yourself then? No, but I'm fantasizing about somebody else. Yeah, but my point is, so I'm pretty sure that you've at some point looked at porn. We all have. When you've done that, did you have any trouble tapping into the sexual part of yourself? You're acting like it's buried under adamantium boulders and like a titanium reinforcement. <laughs> I mean it more so like when, when when I guess when my personality comes off, it comes off as someone that is lighthearted, sometimes humorous, and it's a likable guy, versus like what you were the like description you used was like, man, how do I get people to, to look at, especially women, to look at me like that? Like, man, like I would love to get in bed with well, okay, okay. So here's the thing. Yeah. So just listen to what you said. You said, how do I tap into the sexual part of myself? And that's actually part of your problem because you're acting like you're acting like it's something. It's you're acting like the sexual part of yourself is like going Super Saiyan in Dragon Ball Z, where you really have to dig deep inside yourself and you gotta train for years and uh, to actually reach that thing that is deep down inside. And that is the way you're acting when you're with women. And the point is that let's be fair, you know, when you what the difference is. When you're getting friends owned by girls, you're thinking things but not saying it, right? That's it. So, um, yeah. So there you go. All right, there's a reaction. You gotta explain that. You gotta you gotta break that down. So, for instance, right? Have you ever met a girl who's yes, wearing a I... really low cut top? She's wearing a really low cut top. Uh huh. Okay. Now your eyes were drawn to her breast, right? It's like a really low cut top. Right. But you didn't say anything about the fact that she's wearing a low-cut top. And I don't mean to like be sleazing, oh yeah. But you didn't know, for instance, whoa, that that is a very, very, very low-cut top. And you know what? It's actually distracting. You didn't you didn't say anything. You acted like it just wasn't there at all. So when you say like how do I tap into the second, you're not tapping into anything, you're just starting to express what is already there. I remember the first time I kind of got an inkling of this. I had a girlfriend and one of my friends met me and my girlfriend and she was wearing a really sexy outfit. And he said, you know what? I forget what he said, but he complimented on the fact that she was wearing a really tight outfit. And he did it in a way that basically let her know that he believed that what she was wearing was hot. Yeah, it still felt respectful to me. It wasn't like I was offended that he said it. But I remember at the time I was like, huh. It was, it was like, you know what? I, I actually, I have to be honest, I, I find it really hard to take my eyes off this dress. And she's wearing a ridiculously tight dress and she had a fantastic body. Like, but I find it really hard. And she's like, ah, 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 ah. But, and in doing so, she... He gained a lot of respect from her, number one. And number two, I'm pretty sure a lot of um, sexual interest or attraction or whatnot. Like he was basically, deliberately or not, positioning himself as a man who was aware of her femininity. You can't ignore certain things. So if you can't treat women who 
you want to be interested in you like they're your cousin. You know, I meet my cousin and it's like, my cousin might as well have a dick, like my female cousin. For all, for the way I'm looking at, she might as well have one, okay? Because she is not a woman to me. She is, but she isn't, and you get my points. <laughs> you get my points. You can't treat them like they're your sister or whatever. You have to be aware of the facts that there's that man to woman energy and there's things about them that you find attractive. Or little things like, here's another one, here's another one. Right? Um, teasing is good. But teasing isn't necessarily, actually, no, it is kind of part of it. So anytime that you can tease a girl, that works very well. That's number one. And number two, what are some good ways to tease a woman? If she says something that could potentially be taken in a sexual way, you kind of run with it and then jokingly accuse her of doing that. The example I always give in this situation is a time when I was with a girl and she said, when men approach me on the street, I beat them away. I just beat them away when men approach me on the street. So then I said, whoa, you beat off every man who approaches you on the street. Like Jesus. And then she starts laughing and she's like, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. <laughs> and the point is now in doing that, number one, she takes the blame for sexuality coming in because you've interpreted something she said. But on the same hand, because you're prepared to bring sex up and now she's having a conversation with you where sex is on the table, even though you're not talking about sleeping with each other, but you just mentioned it. This is the kind of things that go towards you not being friend-zoned because a man who is friend-zoned never discusses sex. Almost never. If we look at like the traditional friend zone, where it's, I am your friend, I think you are great, but for whatever reason, I don't want you to put anything inside me. This guy is, he's not, it's like, oh, I have so much respect for you. I wouldn't want to degrade you. I have so much respect for you. Like that's all well and good, but do you know how many girls I've said who actively want to be gangbanged? Uh, girls I know who act actively wanted, actively. Like this would be a freaking fantasy. I want it. I actually witnessed a gangbang once. I uh, interviewed a dominatrix years ago. The interview is actually on YouTube as well. You can feel free to look it up if you want. But the point is it was in a dungeon and on the way to interview her, walked past the room and there was a gangbang taking place. And I don't know how many men were in there, but there was quite a few men. It was a pitch black room, red lighting. It, it looked very intimidating. They were all sort of naked and they were all like stroking themselves. And there was this, this woman on an altar just being destroyed. And the point is that woman was a single mom. And the owners of that dungeon used to set that up for her. And... Something I also found interesting was that that single mum, if you knew her in a day-to-day -day life, you'd be like, oh yeah, Jill. Jill, she's such a fantastic woman, pillar of the community. And she's raising her two little boys, oh Jill, you know, whatever. Yeah, Jill really wants that. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying every woman wants to be gangbanged, but I am saying that every woman has way more inside of them than they're initially gonna show. And if you're like, oh, I respect you too much to, remotely bring up sex or to have any kind of sexual innuendo or something like that you put yourself in the category of you know friend you see what i'm saying yes so that actually brings up another question i have so you can if you want to but how do you know when to how do you know when to I've seen, okay, what I'm trying to say is I've seen people, they go out and game, and sometimes they'll choose to kind of friend zone themselves with a woman so that they can get to her friend. So my question is like, how do you know when to kind of just ease off and just kind of just build a rapport with one girl that could lead to many of her friends looking better than her? And then how do you know when to just like, you know what, I'm just going to make a move on this girl. 
Well, I mean, it, it's up to you, really. There's no, there's no sort of hard and fast rule. It's, it is purely up to you. The guys that you're talking about who have decided to friend zone a girl, I mean, if they've done it so strategically, they've, all they've basically said is, this is the kind of woman I want, and the kind of woman I want is connected to other women that I want. So I'm friend zoning this woman to then get to know the other woman that she knows. But it isn't any deeper than that. It's highly unlikely to be any deeper than that. It's just literally that if I like yoga women, if I like women who are heavily into yoga and who are hot and are into yoga and I meet a hot woman who's into yoga, I can either get with her or I can make her a friend and then get access to more hot women who are into yoga. It's pretty much as simple as that. I mean, yeah, it's a bit calculated, but that's effectively and then what's your thought process like? Uh, I'm sure she may have better looking friends. Let me let me just kind of you know. Hold on, you um you broke up a little bit. Can you say that again? No, I was saying what it, so so just taking that scenario you just gave me, like what are you thinking in terms of like okay, she may have better looking friends that do yoga. Let me let me not move too fast with this and see if her other friends come along. No, no, but it's, okay. It's not about she might have better looking friends that do yoga. It's, it's basically, this is, this is the mindset. So, as men, we tend to operate from a scarcity mentality where women are concerned. Um, yes. the, way we, the way we operate is literally like you've been at sea in a life raft for maybe two weeks or so and everybody else who was on your raft has died and there's been no food and now all of a sudden you get an apple so you're gonna destroy that apple as quickly as possible you're not gonna you're not gonna waste any time when that's the kind of way we operate whereas it's like actually what you can do is you don't have to have sex with every woman you meet. If you just become friends with a woman, then you get to meet more women as a result. But how can I put this in terms of stats? Because I, I know that what I've just said, you still don't really get. You're friends with a woman. <clears throat> Half, here we go. The majority of the work that we do as men when it comes to meeting women is actually letting them know that we are not weird, rapists, boring, um, whatever. Half of the work is actually just that she needs to know if you're worth her time. That's the reason why male celebrities don't have issues with women at all, because they have huge amounts of social proof. For instance, Migos are in concert. Bieber's in concert. God knows who else. The weekend's at concert, right? And there's all the girls going, <sighs> every girl in that crowd knows that every other girl in the crowd wants them. That gives them incredible amounts of social power. And it means that they can get any one of those girls. It's just kind of the way that women work, that they really care about your social standing. They do. So you go to a bar and you meet a woman, she cares less about how you look than uh, you care about how she looks. So you meet a woman, you're like, oh my God, she's beautiful. Boom, that's it, done. Now, where she's concerned with regards to you, she doesn't care as much about your looks at all. She cares about other things which are harder to prove when you meet a stranger, right? So when you make a girl her, your friend, <clears throat> and you meet her friends, a huge amount of that work is done because your friendship with the first woman like makes you safe and tested and not a risk and blah, blah, blah for her friends because her friends value her opinion greatly because you know we're all girls, we're all in it together. We know what it's like to meet weird men, a creepy men, whatever men. We know exactly what that is like. So I'm not going to recommend a man to you who's a loser or an idiot or 
abusive or whatnot. I'm not going to do that because I'm your friend. So if I'm vouching for Edmund, then you know that Edmund's A1, as they say. So that is essentially it. So the basic point is this. I give you an apple. Now, this isn't strictly true, but just run with me. I give you an apple. You can either eat the apple or you can plant the seed and you can grow an apple tree. So the difference is, you meet a woman, you do something with her that's eating the apple. Because if it goes badly, then you guys are no longer, well, no longer friends, you no longer know each other, blah, blah, blah. If you make her a friend, you're basically planting an apple tree. And of course, how many apples can you get from an apple tree? Multiple. Yeah, multiple. I mean, that's basically, that's basically the mindset. But obviously, you're going to do this with women you genuinely like, because, my gosh, the actual thought of continuing a friendship with a woman you have no interest in, that's just, I mean, I wouldn't recommend that at all. But that, that's basically the mindset. And yeah, that's essentially it. I think you brought up something that I really liked. Um, and I actually was watching a lot of the game global stuff this week. And I saw um, the, the video about, I think it was Michael Spartain. And... Mm -hmm. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about was building a social circle, building up a social circle with beautiful women. And like, that's something that I aspire to actually do. Okay. Um, do you have any specific questions? Um, I mean, I've, other than the video that I watched, I mean, I don't know much about it. I'm just a novice trying to soak up. Well, okay. Number one, have you listened to the Game Global podcast? Yes. I mean, I've listened to certain episodes. I mean, that's how I even came across the podcast. Okay. okay. The reason why I'm asking is because we've got about three episodes on Social Circle Game. So okay. listen to those. The first one is about Social Circle. Like literally, if you go to Google and you type in Game Global podcast Social Circle, you will see so there's about three episodes in the podcast about social circle game, but essentially it's basically like this. So the first step is knowing who you want in your social circle. Okay. And that's very important. But when, because yeah, you need to know who you want in your social circle because that's going to influence where you go in order to meet those people. For instance, do you want to meet uh, women who are into debates and talking about politics? Okay, so I'm gonna take that as a no. So, but the thing is, if you did, hold on, are you, is your mic still working? I can't hear you. Yeah, like, no, okay, I, I, wouldn't. Okay. I was just yeah. saying fuck no in my head, but. All right, cool. But here's the thing, there are men who do, okay? And for a man who does, he would want to go to places where people like that are. So you have to know who it is that you want to meet. For instance, I'm in Bali. It's not a coincidence I happen to be in Bali. Bali is full of the sort of person that I want to meet. Anyway, so you want to know who it is that you want to meet. Then now you know who it is that you want to meet. You want to know where you can go to actually find those people. So the question I would ask you is, what sort of people do you actually want to meet? I, I like, um, I think I like girls that are really funny. I think they're lighthearted. Light um, like goof, I guess you could call it like goofy in a sense. I like goofy girls, but not clumsy. I don't like clumsy though. So funny, lighthearted, good motor skills, yeah? Yeah. Motor skills is a must for you. Yeah. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, uh, I mean, she has to be like somewhat intelligent. Like, you know, I think someone that actually very observant of, of her surroundings and then 
knows how to translate that in the person he's communicating with. Yeah. Let's get a little deeper. Well, then the question for you, and this is a question for you, or people who live where you live, but where are those women? That's a great question. I've, yeah, okay, you don't know, but the point is, do you think that if you sat down and thought about it for two days, you wouldn't think of an answer? I would, I would try to find a place, yeah. Mm. But it might not be one place, it might be multiple places, but what sort of places attract people like that? It's like, it's generally, it's not that different to marketing, really. It's like, if I've got health products and I want to sell that product to people who care about health, like, where do I go? And you're like, oh, gym, okay, that's a good place, gym, oh, okay. And then I might think a hospital because people at hospitals say, oh, okay, I might go to a hospital. You know, you just think. I mean, I would think of like a, maybe a comedy club. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But that, that's, yeah, that's not bad at all. So maybe you start going to comedy clubs. Maybe you actually start doing comedy. Why don't you start doing comedy? <laughs> oh, that's a lot of pressure. It is, but you say you want to meet those sorts of women. Do you think those sorts of women would be into you if you were a comedian? Oh, 100%, yeah. Well, there you go. So maybe you start going to comedy clubs, because I've been to a few comedy clubs, and from what I understand, like a lot of them, you know, it's kind of, it's actually kind of like a club. It's like you go in there, you sit down, there's other people, people watch comedians, there's laughter, there's jokes. After the comedians are all done, then it kind of like turns into a regular bar and people just walk around and socialize and stuff. There you go. So we've just come up with that. Now here's the thing. If you were a comedian at a comedy club, you would have a lot of status in that club. Yeah. Mm. There you go. Anyway, so the point is, um, let me let me go back. So you have to know what kind of person you want to meet. Boom. Then it's like, where is that person going to be? So we've identified comedy clubs for you. That's a great one. But I can feel your fear already. I can feel your fear. You're like, why did I ask that question? And now I have to stand up comedy club and feel it. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, yeah, and then this actually brings me to the next one, which is you want to go to that those places often because. Like, who was your best friend when you were growing up? Mm. No, just name one of them. If you have multiple friends. Yeah, I got multiple, but I'll say Melissa. Her name is Melissa. Okay, cool. Now, was Melissa either guaranteed she either lived very close to you or she was in your class at school? Uh, close to me, maybe 20 minutes away from me. All right, so... How did you and Melissa meet? Um, through like church. Um, okay, cool, cool. So you kept going to church and you kept seeing Melissa, yeah? Yeah. All right, All right. So this is actually, this is still my point. This is actually still my point. The reason why you and Melissa became friends was because you were at church week after week after week, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and you keep seeing her. And she keeps seeing you. It's called the propinquity effect. So the more you see someone, the more familiar they become and the more you naturally trust them. That's just a natural thing that happens. So yeah, Melissa went to your church and then as a result, you saw her week to week to week. And then here's a the thing as well. It's not even just about like say you, it's, well, you know, she's seeing your parents week to week to week as well. Your parents are seeing her and her parents week to week to week. So it all just becomes familiar. So you can be like, hey, mom, I'm just going to see Melissa. Oh, yeah, Melissa, that girl from church. Yeah, of course. She's a good, good girl. Good, yeah, go, go, go. Tell Melissa I said hello. Yeah. Mm. Propinquity effect. So you want to take advantage of that. So wherever it is that you realize you need to be in order to meet um, the people that you want to meet, and by the way, if we're talking about building a social circle, it's not just about getting women in there. Like, you want men in there too. I mean, you don't want to be that sleazy guy. How I looked at it was a lot of the men, whether business or just social, is usually when they know the man with a lot of women in their contacts, they usually invite that man to a lot of their events as a byproduct of that. 
Okay, yes. But what I'm saying is that if you... There are benefits to having men in your social circle early. It's like, it's not, the purpose of building the social circle is to build a social circle for the purposes of socializing. If you are just socializing with women, you're kind of holding yourself back. For instance, one man who you could meet, you don't know how many women he knows. You don't know how cool of a guy this is, what sort of events you can go to through this guy as a result of knowing this guy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's about meeting people. So when you're building a social circle, you don't want to be like, I am trying to get as many women as possible. You have to do it with the assumption that number one, the main goal is to build this social circle so you can socialize. But you also are aware of the fact that women will come. You know, it's like people speak about business. They go, work on your business because the women will come. If you yeah. work on that, the women, okay, fine. We'll work on your social circle, the women will come. It's the same thing. Okay, so the, the same, I'm assuming it's the same concept. Like, what kind of men do I want to be around? Yeah. And then where do I find them? Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing, well, I mean, you tell me, but if you like girls who are funny and goofy, you probably like men who are similar. Mm. Mm. Well, anyway, point is, where are those men? That's the point. Because if you don't know where they are, you can't meet them. You know, if I wanna, if I decide that I have to be friends with NBA players, well, now I need to know where to find NBA players. <clears throat> and then I need to be in those places. So you need to do that. And then what you want to do is give yourself um, leverage in the environment as well, which is why I suggested actually being a comedian in a comedy club. Okay. When I say leverage, yeah, you want leverage in the environment. The more important you are in that environment, the more likely people are to gravitate towards you, want to be around you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it should make sense. Okay. Wow. We got through a lot of stuff, man. A lot of different questions I had. So, are you good now? Like, you feel like you don't have any more questions? Oh, I, I, I got a lot of questions. I have a well, lot of questions. Well, you know, I just, well, I just thought another podcast time is up, though, sometimes. So, no, nah, we can do like another 10 minutes. Yeah, go. All right, yeah. Um, my last, I guess this will be my last question for you for tonight. Um, I, I think one of the biggest things I like about how you carry yourself is how you're able to tell a story um, and how you're able to captivate, captivate uh, oh. people with, with your words. I, I think like when you say things, like people like hold on to what, what is he going to say next? Um, I guess similar to the activities, that I asked about earlier, how do I become more skillful with coming storytelling? Gosh. All right, well. Well, firstly, thank you. Let me just take a second to suck this up, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, becoming a better storyteller. Well, there's a couple of things. So number one, there's the story itself, as in man walks down the road, man sees a lion on the street, man fights the lion, man kills the lion, man finds a million dollars inside the lion's gut. Like, there's the actual story. But then there's the way you convey the story itself. So when we're speaking about you being a storyteller, I guess you mean in the sense of you telling people things that have actually happened to you. So... You know, you're not like, say, I am actually a writer, like I'm a creative storyteller. So I spend a lot of time making up stuff that didn't actually happen and then writing about it. But that's not what you mean. OK, cool. So how do you become more interesting in conversations and how do you tell people about the time when you and a girl had this fantastic adventure? One thing is 
when people say someone is really boring, like, oh, this guy's just so boring, he's so boring. A huge part of why people think that is because they're on a flat line like this. So it's like, hey, how's it going? Are you okay? Yeah, I feel all right. And, um, you know, I just kind of communicate like this and I'm always on a level playing field and don't worry, I'm not too crazy. I'm not too silly, blah, 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 blah. So, and don't do that at all. So a huge part is actually having the courage and a lot of people are actually scared to do this where like sometimes you whisper and then sometimes you're really loud and then sometimes you're quiet again and sometimes you speed up and you speed up a little bit sometimes and then you get a little bit quiet and varying your pitch, your tonality, etc., etc. That's something that helps to keep people really interested and engaged. Another thing is you need to believe that what you are saying is really interesting stuff that this person needs to hear. For instance, if I approach a woman on the street and I go, excuse me, hello, hey, hey, she's going to go, huh? What's up? But if I go, um, um, excuse me, um, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, hey, she's going to pick up on the fact that I feel like I'm a nuisance and she'll lose interest. For instance, I'm sure you've been on the street and you've seen either homeless people asking for money or you've seen people who are collecting for various charities asking for money. And they both kind of do the same thing, which is they believe that they are a nuisance. So they approach you in a way that lets you know that they think they're a nuisance. So mm. because they don't do that, you immediately brush them off. Whereas every now and then, I mean, I'm sure this has happened. Like, this is another thing. Have you ever had people from TV, like, stop you to ask you a question? Like, uh, now, when somebody from a TV company stops you in the street to ask you a question, they don't have any doubt in the way they approach you because they're like, we're from TV. You're going to get to be on TV. So like, sir, excuse me, excuse me, sir. And you're like, huh? Can we have a moment of your time? And then you walk over. And they have this belief, which is that we are from a TV show. Everybody wants to be on TV. You want to be on TV. We are giving you the chance to be on TV. Therefore, you're actually kind of silly if you don't want to take this opportunity. And if you don't, it's cool. You need to believe that what you have to say is great, decent, worthwhile, etc. There is that. And then here's another thing as well. So something that I realized I probably do instinctively. I mean, I've never consciously looked at this, but a, a great story is basically, a great story is all about struggle. So for instance, when you watch a movie, what happens in the movie is there's a status quo, whatever, and then something happens and then the characters are struggling throughout the movie. Then they finally overcome the struggle. Then there's a brief period of happiness before the movie ends. But the movie itself is all about the struggle. That's basically it. So in order to keep people in, it's like there's, how can I put this? Because this is weird. I've never, this has nothing to do with any coaching. Now. This is stuff I do instinctively, but it's hard for me to put into words. There's conflict and then there's resolution. But the conflict could even be something like, I went to a job interview and it was the most stressful job interview of all time. And you're talking about, and then he asked me this question. And then I answered, I was like, oh my God, is that the right answer to give? And I look into his eyes and he didn't give anything away. But I felt like if I looked very deeply, I could see like a lack of trust. He was judging me. I'm pretty sure this man was judging me, but I need this job. I need this job because if I don't get this job, I'm gonna be homeless. And you see now it's interesting, like, whoa, so this guy's in an interview and he needs the job because if not, it's gonna be homeless. Yet the person who's interviewing him doesn't know that he's gonna be homeless or just does not give a crap. How is this guy gonna make it through the interview? Is he gonna be homeless? And then the stakes as well, because then here's what would make this even better now, a better story. So he needs the job because if not, he's gonna be homeless. Ouch, right, ouch. 
Now let's give him a daughter to look after. Oh, oh, now you're even more invested in this story, aren't you? You're even more invested. And then what if his daughter is this lovely girl? Like, if his daughter is like a spoiled brat, like, you don't care as much. But if his daughter is this lovely little girl and she's cute and she's lovable and she makes little paintings of giraffes and stuff like that, you know what I mean? It's like he yeah. gives extra layers. And then another thing as well, detail. Like, detail. So, that's it. All right, I'm getting it now. Cool. You need to paint pictures in people's minds. Mm. Right? For instance... If you're telling someone a story and you can remember how hot it was, for instance, like how hot was it? Was it, was it like the most blistering day of all time? And you're just sweating buckets and maybe you happen to be dressed for the winter, but you're out in the middle of the summer and you're just soaked inside your clothes and you can feel your skin squelching together. And it's absolutely horrible. Was it like that? Or was it freezing cold and you're dressed for the summer in the freezing cold? And to be honest, you're kind of praying to any kind of God to just kill you because you cannot handle this kind of cold. Okay. But know that those details, you know, did you have like a rash on your arm that you're kind of scratching? You know, did the person you were speaking to smell? Let's say you're in this job interview, for instance, you're in this job interview. What colour was the room? Were you in? Were you having a job interview for the FBI, but the room itself actually looked like a kindergarten classroom? And it's like, what the hell is actually going on here? So then now we've painted the image. It's like, you've got this FBI man in a suit, but with kindergarten stuff behind the walls. Like, that's kind of weird. But also, what colour glasses was the guy wearing? Did the guy have unusually bad breath? like unusually bad breath. The more detail you have, the better. You have to paint pictures in people's minds because most people don't have a good imagination. Most, yeah, they don't. Most people don't have a good imagination. Maybe you don't either because, you know, well, yeah, most people don't. And the point is that we will tell a story and while you're telling the story, it's like, well, it happened to me and I know what happens, but the other person doesn't know what happened. They only know what you say. Here's another thing as well. Um, not all words are created the same. So what does that mean? Give me two words that both mean big. That's something I'm asking you to do. Um, huge. Yeah. And that. Uh, Cool. That's great. Actually. That's great. Now, when you say huge and when you say fat, do they feel the same to you? No. Exactly. They don't. Because when you say fat, well, firstly, I think, okay, P-H-A-T. So immediately my mind thinks of America because that phrase comes from America. So immediately I think that, I think fat ass. So then I'm thinking of, there you go. <laughs> right? So I'm thinking of stuff like that. Or I'm thinking of like, yeah, that's fat, man, that's fat. I'm thinking my thoughts are cooler now. Like it feels much more cooler. But when I think of huge, I don't think of all that stuff. And the point is that it's like that with every word. Most people think, most people go, oh, it was really big. But was it big or was it ginormous? Was it massive? Was it epic? Was it gargantuan? <laughs> like, was it spacious? What, what was it? And with the words you use, I'm sorry if I'm giving you hit too much. I'm sorry, but you did ask for this. With the words you use, you paint images in people's minds. Yeah? So, yeah. Yeah, something to be aware of. For instance, was he clever or was he crafty? Was he clever or was he crafty? Because that kind of means the same thing, but when you think of someone who's crafty, He's more like sly and manipulative, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. So why is he? Is he intelligent? Here's the thing. So now when someone's intelligent, what do you think? He's intelligent. I think of, oh, well, he went to Yale or Harvard and he's there studying. That's what I think. Like, I'm intelligent. 
when I think of someone who's clever, I think of someone who they have a good brain, but they're not necessarily book smart. I mean, they might be, but mm. but then when I think of someone who's crafty, like you think of like a hustler, a hustler on the street. He is clever. He is, but yeah, you get my point. So the, words, mm, the words you use are very important. Mm. I like that, man. And I and I saw how I saw how you lit up when I asked you this question because I, I felt like that's something that you don't really get to talk about a lot. But <laughs> yeah. it definitely yeah. radiates from from like just your you know your charisma. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, man. I appreciate yeah. you. Uh, that'll, that'll help for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, yeah, you know what? Hit me with one more quick question before we go, if you got any. Oh, no, I'm, I'm good. That was my last question for today. All right, sweet, 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 sweet. All right, then, yeah. well, thank you to the person who is listening. And, uh, yeah. If you are interested in being coached by myself, this is the last day where it's possible for you to book yourself a free call. So um, we will have a chat, find out where you are, and then work out a roadmap that you can... Oh, hold on. Let me do that again. We'll have a chat, we'll see where you are, and then we will put together a roadmap that you can follow to get to where you want to be. But that's provided that we decide that working together will be a good fit. Uh, details are on screen. Thank you, Edmund, for your time. And yeah, Saints, well, hold on. So we've been speaking uh, Thursday now. So following week on Friday. Following week? Yeah, like next Friday. Week, Friday. Friday, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. All right, man. Your time, right? Same time. Yeah, yeah. Time. yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Have yourself a great day and a great right. week. Thank you, Karen. Bye bye.